You can listen to The Professional Left on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or at our website, professionalleft.blogspot.com, where you can also contribute to this podcast. There's a PayPal button at our website, or you can mail us a letter and or contribution at P.O. Box 9133, Springfield, Illinois, 62791. This is the podcast for February 15th, 2013. It's not safe for work. Recorded live from just outside the Sarah Palin House of Meth and Fact Checking, it's The Professional Left with Drift Glass and Blue Gal. Hey, everybody. I hope everybody caught Sarah Palin's fact-checking of the State of the Union. It was very impressive. No, it wasn't. <laughs> she said she had, her, she had her clothes in play out. <laughs> Tao goes, what? Moo. Very good. The chicken goes, burk, 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 burk. And this was, you know, this was going to be our vice president. Yeah. She was She was the one the Republican Party, and, and I think that's part of the problem. She was the one the Republican Party wanted to be a heartbeat, a John McCain heartbeat away from the presidency. Yeah. But apart from that, She's still out there and she's still spewing Fox News talking points, as is Marco Rubio, the very thirsty savior of the GOP. Uh, Yeah. And he will always be, you know, Republican Jesus in my regard now because of the Time magazine cover. Thank you to uh, one of our listeners for sending that to us. Savior of the GOP. Yeah. Uh, He as everyone said yesterday, turned water into wine. Yes, and he did. And he did. But if we're going to choose substance over style, drift glass. Yes. <laughs> and when don't we? It, it occurred to me, if if we're going to really talk about what Rubio said, because that's a much shorter conversation, his statement, I mean, I just pulled a couple of statements out of his talk. Republicans have offered a detailed and credible plan that helps save Medicare without hurting Today's seniors, today's retirees. They're 64-year-olds. You're fucked. You're screwed. Mario Rubio. And everybody else. I mean, Marco Rubio is 42 years old. He is the young hope. Someone else said, you know, they're always looking for the next Reagan. Yeah. And Rubio is the latest in this line of people that were looking for the next Reagan. And not only did he uh, fulfill my prediction as being... I can't decide who is less intelligent, him or Bobby Jindal. I just, I can't figure it out. He, they really come across as low IQ yeah. to me. Oh, they're good at repeating the same talking points yeah. that were so effective 40 it. years ago. You're, you're yeah. a 42-year-old with 84-year-old's ideas. Yeah. And that's not good. No. And then, and then Barack Obama's speech being the... List of things that, you know, people accuse him of poll testing this. But apart from the whole gun violence thing, which was very emotional and very dramatic, this pre-K education increased the minimum wage. Chuck Todd said this morning, did you know I'm going to quote Chuck Todd? These things things aren't 5149 issues. These are 65% of the American people are in favor of these. Yeah. Yes, they are. Until they find Until out. Until they find out that Barack Obama supports them. And then as the Digby's had something up about yeah, that. Yeah, the Washington Post poll pointed out that, that immigration reform is hugely popular. Uh, even among Republicans, it's a 60% issue. Until they find out Barack Obama's name's attached to it, then it drops into the 30s. <sighs> and it's just that it's an on-off switch. It's, oh, the black Democrat. Um, Never the guy from mind. The, the, the acorn stole the Kenyan usurper, stole our election, lives in our White House. Guy supports this. It must be evil. I, and I will find a reason to disagree with it. In that way, Republicans are, are a little bit like some of our liberal colleagues. They will sift through the State of the Union and find a reason to be pissed off. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And, that's that's, true. and there, that's are, a, there are a handful, uh-huh. at least, of people on both sides Yes. Your class. <laughs> yes. Well, Barack you Obama's... You want to be unhappy no matter what. Yes. yes. Barack Obama's worse than George Bush, as everyone knows. He's, uh, uh, yeah. And that's... This makes you know, us so mad. It it really does. It makes well, us so mad. It's it's lazy. It is. It's it is. just lazy. Yeah. Yep. And it, it, it's lazy and you don't live in the real world. Yeah. And that's fine. This country's big enough and free enough for everyone to live under their own <laughs> vine and fig leaf. And believe what they wish, but I, I just don't. I have 
I have no time for anyone whose immediate reaction to everything they disagree with is they have a conspiracy theory to explain it all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Left or right. Yeah. And fortunately, the people on the left who, who explain everything away via massive government conspiracy on the part of the secret Republican Barack Obama and his secret conspiracy to sell us out to our corporate masters, which has an element of truth to it, are much, much smaller uh, yeah, that's that's yeah. a wing of a wing of the party. Yes, it is. Yes, the it is. Republican conspiracy theorists are called the Republican Party. <laughs> they're the base. Yes, they're and, the primary voters. <laughs> and so, as impatient as I might get with people who just who will who will when asked, "What do you think of uh, this proposal to increase the minimum wage?" will respond, "Yeah, but fucking drones." Yeah, yeah. So like, well, you know, or okay. pre-K education. Yeah, but drones. Yeah, but but Guantanamo, and. Okay, you know, we can debate those, but that's not the question I asked. All I asked was a little Which policy question. Things you're for. Let's yeah. get done the things that you're for as well as being against something. And you can hold both those ideas in your head at the same time. Some people, and as you say, I think it is a minority yes. within the left wing. It, you need to stop reading blog comments, too. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't read them for their um, piquancy. Yeah, I know. Their, their cogency. But you did... Uh, kind of perk your ears up when Ta-Nehisi Coates had an article yeah. along these lines. Yeah, he did. He had a, had a wonderful article. In fact, his his Twitter comment was about his comment section, which was he wrote this post about a very interesting, complicated, sort of agonizing discussion about drones, about, you know, yeah. what if this is modern warfare? How How do you want to deal with the fact that I'm okay with killing bad guys half a world away? And mm -hmm. if dropping a robot on their heads does the job maybe that's not a bad thing but maybe it is and i'm and it, but it was a very i'm putting words in his mouth and you should go read his article but his response was jesus i wrote this thing and went out to dinner i came back and there were 400 comments mm -hmm. and i thought holy crap somebody said something bad about somebody's mother yeah, yeah. which didn't happen it was a, a lot of very complicated nuanced interesting um intelligent conversation about it but it was Wow. <laughs> you know, well, and I want to thank everyone that wrote us in response to our episode last week, because we got nothing but really thoughtful emails. We didn't have oh. anyone call us shitheads. We didn't have anyone screaming at us. Everyone that wrote in was was willing to say, yes, but here are some other things to think about. And we're reading through those and thinking about it. And they're really good. Yeah. And and I. I love our listeners for doing that for us, Indeed. you know, that, and there, there are questions about the morality of making war easy and painless for one side. And yep. there are things that as the superpower that is currently the only one using this technology, that we have responsibility for that. And it, when old... if shoes on the other foot and other people have this technology against us, it's going to be a whole different ballgame. Yeah. We said that last week. Well, um, well whole, whole Star Trek episodes have been written about Yes, this. they have. That's no. right. I was thinking about that, too, this week. Report to the destruction chamber yeah, and, because we want to save yeah. the buildings and save the culture. We just want to painlessly, you know, wipe the people out. Right. Right. And yeah, so, so but that was the point being that um, this is a very big speech. Mm -hmm. it, it was long and it was Clinton-esque in its sort of laundry listing hood. Somebody, I like to think it's, Barack Obama himself, but somebody on his staff clearly has come to understand dramatic structure. Yes. How you yes. build to a crescendo, how you build to dramatic moments. And that, that's, that was very Reagan-esque. I'll give him that, you know, that mm -hmm. the whole idea of bringing in ordinary folks and using them as, as punctuation marks in your policy descriptions is going, goes back 30, 40 years, but he did it really well. And uh, there's a lot there to digest and a lot to talk about. There's all kinds of proposals that I disagree with or agree with or, or think they don't go far enough. I stand up and cheer about the manufacturing stuff and minimum wage. But there's also people who were just going to, you know, the whole speech was blah, 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 drones, blah, blah, blah. That's all they heard. And that's all they're going to get mad about. And it's all they're going to focus on. And again, it's a, it's a free country. Focus on that to your heart's content. But, um, that ignores the fact that there are 500 other things on the on the table that need to get done. It also ignores the fact, frankly, that 
you might remember back in the bad old days of George Bush when we were going to invading the wrong countries for the wrong reason to profit bad people. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a bunch of liberals out there saying, look, we're traumatizing our generation. We are we're doing something so bad here that's going to have such terrible consequences. We're unleashing something that will take a generation to unwind. And you know what? It's only been five years. Yep. And and the people who thought going into Iraq was a brilliant idea and the only thing wrong with not invading with invading Iraq was we didn't invade four other countries are still active. They still have big megaphones. They still dominate our media. They still have massive political influence. Yep. And they're still pushing and pushing and pushing in that direction. And the and they idea still, and they still have enablers in the media who are more than willing. And we haven't fixed New Orleans yet. Yeah. You know, yeah. this this yeah. is this yeah. is yeah. we we broke a lot of shit in eight years. And and the Bush administration left a big pile of burning rubble as they ran out the door. The people on now with Alex Wagner this morning, and we're we're recording this on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. We're um talk you know, Caddy Kay and Chuck Todd was on there. <laughs> Somewhat, it wasn't. It wasn't either one of them. It was a third person. I can't remember who it was, but he was saying, you know, George Bush wanted to do a big thing with Social Security. Oh, he, and he, he overreached, and he overreached, and yeah. this is just overreach on the part of Barack Obama. No, nobody slapped him. Nobody slapped him. That pre-K education for all and raising the minimum wage are exactly the same. As privatizing Social Security. Yes, because they're overreaches. They're overreaches. Yeah. No, they're not the same. No, they're not. One's a really stupid idea that nobody liked. Well, one is a really stupid idea that Republicans have been obsessed with for 70 years. Yeah. And every time there's a crisis from the the Suez Canal (laughs) to to Skylab falling. Oh, surely shit. Skylab is going to fall out of the sky. Maybe we should privatize Social Security. And so this is not exactly a new thing, but every time there's a fucking crisis, just like the minimum wage, every time there's a raise in the minimum wage, Republicans say this will do it. This will end the republic. Yep. Yep. There's nothing left but a communist wasteland after after we raise the minimum wage as a nickel. And then it doesn't happen. And what doesn't happen after that is the people who said that aren't visited in the night by pundits who slap the shit out of them. Yeah. Yeah. And say, please stop talking you're yeah. never right and i'm never putting you back on the air again until you come on the air and say first i'd like to apologize for trying to privatize social security for 70 years you know okay we're not going to do that and and i'd like to apologize for being wrong about iraq and i'd like to apologize for being wrong about the minimum wage but since we don't hold people to account ever for anything unless you're a liberal then in which case we hold you to account for shit you never said and stuff yes you don't believe. right right um, well, you know it fascinates me too that we we keep trusting the people who wanted to just to privatize social security. And by we, we you mean well, other people, right? Because I don't trust them. No, but yeah. we as a main the mainstream media. Yeah, keep asking them back. Keep asking what, the people who wanted to privatize and who pushed to privatize and who called treasury bonds worthless IOUs. Yes. And who faked a bunch of quotes to make it seem like people really agreed with them who really didn't because really didn't right. A guy named Al Franken went back and got all the actual quotes, and they were horribly butchered out of context yep. by the liars who tried to destroy Social Security. And, this and was then all... those are the people who were brought on to reform entitlements. Yes. And yeah. we're supposed to be okay with that, and we're not. No, and we really wish they'd stop, and we really and I and the reason I'm feeling a little depressed today is I feel like I'm reliving the Clinton years. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I've already been to this movie. I know how it ends. And I know who the bad guys are. They're wearing big black hats. and They're talking crazy talk. I know who the enablers are. I know who the gunman is. I know I know what the black bird is. <laughs> I know what's going to happen at the end of the movie is we're going to start the movie all over again. Yeah. And I'm really tired of the same bad actors being given the benefit of the doubt and the same people who have who were right for the most part, about most everything for most of my lifetime, continually t- treated like pariahs and yeah. lunatics for pointing out the fact that, A, I was right, and B, the guy you keep giving airtime to has been wrong forever. Mm-hmm. And the people slightly above that who make those decisions are the people who are never held to account. 
You're listening to the Professional Left Podcast, professionalleft.blogspot.com. Happy Valentine's Day. We will hope that all of our listeners had a happy Valentine's Day by the time they listen to this. Yes, we shall. And we shall confuse them by <laughs> the fact that we are recording... On Valentine's Day. Part of it. Part, part of, of it. it. We're recording in slivers. Hey, Drift Glass. Yeah. Is it okay if I wish you a happy anniversary? Sure. Wait, this isn't our wedding anniversary. And this no. This isn't our podcast anniversary. It's a different anniversary. It's a different anniversary. Five years ago this weekend. Five years ago this weekend, we had I, an anniversary. I met Drift Glass face-to-face for the first time. Yeah. And we attended a uh, Shakespeare's sister blogger meetup in Chicago. Yes, we did. At an Irish bar. We did, yeah, up in very, Evanston. Very, very fun. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you didn't leave my side the whole evening. Which no. Was, which was pretty nice. No. I, I brought the uh, red cones and the uh, crime scene tape and <laughs> he did. Tape, he taped off the area. Me. <laughs> said, Stay away from Blue Gal. And it, that was not necessary because everyone there was very nice and very happy to see each other. And, oh, yeah. Did you read the email I sent you? Just now, called I, No Words. I, I saw the article, and I, I saw the headline. Someone was passing it around like a dirty postcard. And it I is just, a dirty postcard. It is couldn't. a dirty postcard. I just couldn't read it. Hillary Clinton's sex with a panda story that Freedom Works apparently videotaped. These people are perverts. Well, they're just children. They're just smutty little children who are throwing shit on the wall to see if anybody notices them. Yes. Female staffers agreed to do this. Thing, this cosplay, I guess you'd call it. Okay. <laughs> Not daily cos, right? No. Okay. I was for, I, I I forget all the vocabulary of stuff that I don't have anything to do with. It just no, it just no. I I mean I don't. Yeah, we have been asked at various interviews whether we do cosplay and we don't. No, I don't even know what that is. It's costume. Yeah, I know what it is, but I don't know what. I, other than going to science fiction conventions, <laughs> occasionally, you know, bringing a sword with me, which you're not allowed really medieval, to bring. Medieval thing. Yeah, yeah. Other than I, and I got paid to be in a Renaissance group, my friend. I got paid next to nothing, but there were ladies involved and alcohol. So there. <laughs> so there. And there's no, there are no surviving. Ladies in velvet bodices yes. and uh, alcohol. And a good time was had by all, especially after hours when the yeah. performers would hang out on the hay bales and tell stories and drink peppermint schnapps and pair up or triple up or quadruple up or whatever their particular predilections were. A fine was another time. era in your life. It was. And I had a perfectly fine time. And it was fun being part of a traveling troupe. And no, no photographs or videos survive of those days. Thank God. Well, but but I'm just saying that the I think, as I said at my blog about the Boy Scouts and the American Family Association's obsession and demand that we insert pedophilia into the discussion of yeah. whether gays and lesbians should participate in scouting. Yeah. Leads one to... Th- Notice they're perverts. Yeah, leads one less to notice the the legacy of the Boy Scouts and more to notice the obsession. Yeah, the real real obsession that some people on the right have with having sex with children. It's like they can't stop thinking about thinking it. About like that's it. all yeah. they think about all day long. Exactly. And like evil people, they project their own weirdness onto the world and then hate the world for it. But I do know the punchline of the video, having not even seen the video. <laughs> oh no! I know the punchline. Oh no. oh no! What is yeah. it? Yeah, eats, shoots, and leaves. Oh. Yeah, see, look that up, kids. So you want to talk a little bit about Ezra Klein and the future of uh, liberal blo- liberal radio and broadcasting, those two topics? A little bit, yeah, just a little bit. We're, we're sort of picking up where we left off yesterday, and I'm sure I was uh, much more eloquent yesterday than I am today. <clears throat> but it, it was it's sort of about how um, there were a couple of articles out in the last couple of weeks, it seems, about... Uh, the general death spiral that liberal commercial liberal media is in and has been in for a long time. The specific death spiral of one station in Portland mm-hmm. was just had Which lots. Our of, friend Adam Klugman was a part of, and yeah, it was very good. Mad as Hell in America was a show on that station, and uh, we mourn the loss of that station. Um, it's now and a it's, sports radio station instead of a progressive talk station. Fox Fox Sports Radio. Yeah, and. Part of the problem is the owner, but part of the problem is 
they couldn't make it pay mm-hmm. on their best day. You know, th- these are people who were really highly focused, very energized. They had a really good vibe. Apparently, you know, I, I for one don't like the chamomile tea of, of NPR first thing in the morning. I like a little jolt in the morning mm-hmm. and that kind of format is hard to do when you're liberal. There's some people who do it very well. Hal Sparks does it really well. Stephanie Miller does it really well. And getting that sort of rambunctious, good-humored, fact-based liberal thingy that I, I, like, I like to think that we do too, Blue Gal, mm-hmm. um, is, is, is tricky to do. But on their best day, which was you know the, the election of Barack Obama, they were, they were told that they were being shuttered. These are people who had sort of mounted an offensive, put together coalitions, had, were, were – succeeding in every measurable way except for the fact that they didn't have any listeners and their listener base just kept getting smaller and smaller and it would bleed off to NPR or bleed off to someplace else and at the end of the day the owner's cop said you know we just can't make any money doing this now that might or might not be true it might or not might not be 100% true but what is sort of undeniably true is liberal media is really broken commercial liberal media is just has always been broken and has always had trouble getting its shit together and has always been mismanaged. And it's not for lack of talent. It's not for lack of topics. Uh, we are, you know, whether you've noticed it or not, we are, we are rapidly approaching a golden age of liberalism, a renaissance of liberalism where our ideas are being spoken of in public again without shame. And people are obligingly on the right trying to forget the eight years of Bush fiasco and eight years of Clinton impeachment obsession as if those things are ever going to go away. Um, but they're, they're now obsessed with acorn and Benghazi and a bunch of, you know, well, and they're devoid of ideas. Yeah. I mean, this really is what happened, what Bush did to the Republican party is just ripped out the soul of conservatism and just said, Nope, we're about making profit and uh, serving big business and cutting taxes. And that's it. Well, I, and I, I would argue that he, he, ripped the mask off conservatism. Well, yeah, you could put it that way too. <laughs> yeah, and said, this is all we're really about. Yeah, yeah. We really just hate- We're about racism like, and just, serving billionaires. And, and that's, that's what all, we're about. Yeah. And, and taxes and low, low and, and we, and all, and the thing that both of those groups have in common is they hate government. Yeah. And because the government makes them do things they don't want to do. So that's conservatism. That's American conservatism. And you can sum up American conservative for all the millions of hours and millions of gallons of ink and college courses and dorm room conversations that has been spilled over 40 years over American conservative. Who's a true conservative, Blue Gal? Is Andrew Sullivan, is he the only true conservative in America, this British export who doesn't know what the fuck his party was doing the last 40 years? Is he really the only true conservative? Who knows? Maybe David Brooks is the only true conservative. Maybe David Frum, the only true conservative. Maybe Brent Moselle is the only true conservative. Perhaps Rush Limbaugh, the only true conservative. Bullshit. All of that nonsense, wipe it away. What is conservatism? It is contempt for for the weak, for the outsider, for the minority, it's slavish devotion to wealth and, and a hatred of government because it forces you to, to to do things you don't want to do. That's it. That's it. In America, not in some theoretical Kantian universe of nominal perfect forms. In this country, for the last 40 years, that's conservatism. And if you are a conservative or have been, that's the God you've been serving, period. So – it, the problem is, of course, as as our friend uh, Batocchio likes to say, Team Evil pays really well. Yeah. So you can keep failed radio hacks on the air for decades by just because you don't really care about the profitability of your product necessarily. You care that your message is being pushed across hundreds and hundreds of AM stations all across the country, and that's that's and you're willing to pay for that. You're willing to pay for that over the course of generations, and eventually, you see. The fruit being born. It's it's very much like centrism. You know, if you're willing to 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 put centrist hacks in the media who do nothing all day every day but repeat both sides do it, both mm-hmm. sides do it, both sides. Eventually, you start to notice that people in everyday conversation, um, when confronted with the fact that one side of an issue, usually the conservative side, is fucked in the head, will automatically say, "Yeah, but liberals. Yeah, but Democrats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but mm-hmm. both sides." And you've won. You've won the argument because all you're trying to do is create controversy where none exists to deflect blame from the people who are really to blame. So all you have to do is spend billions of dollars over the course of 30 years, and it works. Liberals don't do that. Liberals aren't willing to do that. 
Um, and frankly, the number of times that that liberal media has fucked up has led people with checkbooks to say that's a bad investment. Maybe my money could be spent better elsewhere, which is a real shame. But it's 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 hard to see a future for liberal radio, which is why we have liberal podcasting. Yeah, and liberal. This is the golden age of liberal podcast. If I do, if I do say so myself, it is. It is. <laughs> and it's it's. And a, I want to thank everyone who has subscribed and donated to this podcast. You pay our electric bill yep. and part of our cable bill every month, and that's a miracle. We consider that a miracle, and uh, we're just so grateful to you. And and you had an article about that. That you know, with all of this, where was the article that you were? Oh, it's, yeah. it was um, the um, Truth Out. Yes, Truth Out had an art. That's an, right. An insider by Peter Collins, Peter B. Collins, an insider's view of the progressive talk radio devolution. Mm-hmm. And it was, and he's, and he says up front, "I'm a 40-year progressive radio veteran, and we've tried and tried to build a national radio presence for progressives, and it seems to reach a critical turning point. And with the loss of key outlets in Portland, Seattle, Detroit." Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. It's very hard to see a future for this. Liberal media rings every nickel out of every person they have. This yeah. is why you watch MSNBC. You see, see the same six people recycled all day long. Absolutely. They show yeah. up on each other's shows because adding one more person cuts into the profit margin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Putting on a real show and letting Hal Sparks do his thing and be a guest will cost them something, and they don't want to do that. So they they would rather make do. And mm-hmm. again, let me emphasize, this is a century old technology. Mm-hmm. This all this running around, all these all this doodads and gym cracks and gadgets that they throw at this problem and fail half the time doing every week is to put a person in front of a microphone to broadcast on radio. That's yep. it. And they can't get their shit together to do it. Well, read that, that last sentence by Peter Collins at Truth. Uh, the, yeah, the last sentence is in radio we always like to end on an upbeat note. Here's the best I can muster. If you want to keep the surviving progressive talk shows alive, subscribe to the podcast of your favorite progressive hosts. It's a critical stream of revenue as these programs fight for survival. Yep. Absolutely true. Yep. And it, the only reason you I, don't have to subscribe to this one, if there's one you like better, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. But, but pick one, pick, pick as many as you can afford and support them. And again, thank you to those people who support us. This is this is sort of it sort of reminds me of what blogging was like. You know, yeah. Liberal conversation was seven years ago, six, seven years ago. It was a much more fluid, dynamic talent shall rise to the top. And we're not going to get too fussy about punctuation, thank God, mm-hmm. or language use. Well, and Steve Gilliard, I, I always love the, the point that Steve Gilliard made about don't give a shit who blog rolls you or not. Right. Exactly right. You know, focus on the writing, focus on the talent, focus on the issues. And I, I kind of think that that's a, a trap that we fall into as well with politics, Yeah. which is we get so hung up on what is Barack Obama doing right? instead of what are we doing and what are the issues that we care about? And it is possible to push for nationwide programs for pre-K and... Let's, let's let's help everyone who has been foreclosed. Let's help everyone that's near foreclosure refinance their homes and stay in their homes. And let's be activists for that. And at the same time, either literally or figuratively, tie yourself to the XL pipeline. Yeah. And and say we must stop this. Yes. And and, and it's or, and be in code pink and say, look, drones kill children, and we shouldn't be using drones as a uh, as one article we read this morning said, you know, drones, it's, it's a weapon of war. It's not a foreign policy portfolio item. Yes. And those are arguments that you can hold at the same time and not be hung up on whether you're supporting, quote unquote, this president. Yeah, this is I'll, I'll show you my scar tissue and let you know why I bend in the direction I do, why I'm less likely are you going to talk about the independent voters forum? No, 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 no. I'm talking about me because, you know, it's all about me, blue gal. It's all about me. No, I'm I, first of all, if you were to look at me in a lineup, you would say, oh, there goes a Mitt Romney voter. Yeah, we've um, talked about that many yeah. times. Yeah. So, you know, I'm I, I'm I'm a Democrat by choice. I'm a liberal by inclination. However, I remember 2000. 
I remember when Gore wasn't good enough, wasn't pure enough, yeah, didn't campaign yeah. hard enough, wasn't liberal enough, was too wooden, was too this, was too that. It was too earth Tony. And he won the popular vote. He lost five to four and throw in Florida shenanigans, throw in all, all, all that you want. But the idea was that there's not a dime's worth of difference between Al Gore Centrist George W. Bush. DLC, so we might George, as well pick the person that we like having a beer with. Or stay home or vote or for vote. Nader or whatever. I voted for Nader, yep. but I was in Alabama. So I knew Bush was gonna yep. carry the whole state. I had that luxury. And there was and there was you know. nothing wrong with believing that. Yeah. But there's an enormous amount wrong with pretending in retrospect that you were right. Yeah. Oh no, I agree that with you. You yeah. were that there was not a, a politics there's always a difference. And I I so clearly have it burned into me what it looks like when purity trolls decide to sink the boat rather than to, than to bail the water. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I can't vote for this man because he opposed me on these three issues that are near and dear to me. He's on my side 80% of the, the rest of the time or 70%, but he's not pure. And therefore, I will, I will not just criticize, not just critique, not just question. I will oppose. I will hand ammunition to the people who are worse than he is because they are temporarily on my side and we temporarily agree. I will give aid and comfort to people who really are ideologically opposed to everything you believe in. And then when that person that you oppose loses and the situation gets gets Bush Cheney worse, you just throw up your hands and say, well, the system's fucked. No, see, there's the problem. I am not ever again going to make the mistake of pretending that there's no difference between the two parties at all. I am unhappy with the Democratic Party. I accept every critique that it's weak and corporatist and filibuster, head up their ass, etc., etc., etc. As long a list as you want to make, I'll agree to. But I'm never going to sign off to the idea that there is no difference between the two because you goddamn well know there is. And to hold this posture, this pose, that somehow that just isn't true. Or I'm so far above the Earth's orbit, I can no longer distinguish between the two because I'm so far above it. I live in a pure utopian universe that you just are too inferior or you're too partisan or you're too hypocritical to observe. Well, that's fine. You go ahead and live there. That's, that's great. You have that right. But don't expect me to take you seriously. I'll take your critique seriously. I'll take your data seriously. But the whole idea that it just doesn't fucking matter, you're never going to convince me of that. So if that's what you're out to do, give up and move on because I'm not your guy. I think the difference between someone like that, though, and you, Drift Glass, is you have actually worked in the trenches where you've seen government make a difference yeah. in an individual's life. Yes, I have. And people that haven't worked that kind of job they don't have the luxury of seeing that a small difference is a big difference. Does that make any sense? It, well, it does. And, yeah, I, yeah. And, and the fact that <laughs> when you work around government, unless you're working in, I don't know, Minnesota in the 80s, I'm going to just make up a, uh, a place and a time, you're going to be working with people that you're going to disagree with a lot. Mm -hmm. um, if you were working, if you were trying to do public policy or influence public policy or in any way change things during the daily administration, during either of the daily administrations, uh, you're working in a one-party state yeah. in Chicago who, who do things that are terrible, that are corrupt, that are awful. And they also fund the schools. And they also fund the homeless programs. And they also fund the work programs. And they also do all these other things that you might believe in. So if you want to get any of that done, you can fold your arms and wait for Harold Washington to come along again. And that's a good thing. You should definitely do that. But if you're going to stand on the sidelines and just bitch and do nothing but that, while the instrument of government is being wielded imperfectly and badly uh, by someone you disagree with, you know, look, if you were working in government in the, in the 2000s, trying to get anything done on a state or city level, your funding was coming from the Bush administration. Yeah. Your funding was coming through the Bush Department of Labor, the Bush Department of Energy, the Bush Department of Transportation. So if you really want to be pure, you can wash your hands of all those things and say, I'm not going to touch any of this money till the person who's, who's distributing it is pure enough for me. 
Or you can say, look, this is what I've got. These people are suffering. They actually can't afford for me to dick around and be a purity troll. So mm-hmm. I'll roll up my sleeves and make the best I can out of the situation and work really hard to make sure that this mistake never gets made again. I want to talk for a minute about Hillary Clinton because I watched her about two and a half weeks ago before she uh, retired from the office of secretary of state. She did a panel discussion or a, a interview discussion, town hall kind of thing uh-huh. where she took questions from the audience. And I, I want to ask you drift glass. If I, if you think I'm looking at her with different eyes or she has actually changed because to me, she seemed very different than she did during the 2008 campaign. Uh-huh. And I really felt as though, and again, you know, I'm willing to for you to tell me that I have liberal beer goggles on. Yes. Uh, but she seemed to me a lot calmer, a lot more uh, interested in dialogue rather than confrontation. Uh-huh. And I mean that in the sense that one of the things that just completely turned me off about her in 2008 was her, you know, we're not going to take nuclear weapons off the table vis-a-vis Iran. Right. And as one blogger said, could we please take nuclear Armageddon off the fucking table? (laughs) Could we do that, please? But no, you know, and and there's a big difference between the perspective of a person, I think, that's in the U.S. Senate being – hawkish uh, or or moderately hawkish as a Democrat and someone who has traveled more miles and done more town hall meetings with, you know, foreigners. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even the French. Even the French, even the Africans, uh-huh. even everybody. And and one of the things we read this article in The New Yorker this morning by George Packer about Hillary Clinton and diplomacy and how much uh, how little. Uh, sort of wiggle room she had as Secretary of State that all of the sort of foreign policy decisions were made in the White House, not by her and or not by the State Department, but how successful she was at doing what she did at a time when we're trying to get out of two wars and and all of that. But one of the things it said was, you know, she would go to these town hall meetings and you you think you're going to be talking about America's role in helping country X. Right. And they don't want to talk about that. They in want that, to talk about water rights. In that country. In that, <laughs> in country, that country. They don't the, want to talk about how America is going to relate to them. They want yeah. to talk about water rights. They want to talk about women-owned businesses. They want to talk about their stuff. Right. And, and it's a very and, humbling experience. And, and mind you, this is – let us not forget that at the end of the eight years of the Bush administration – America was hated or ignored yeah, by almost everybody, yep. was broke, was uh, considered arrogant and stupid and cowboyish. Yep. All of and our – If you weren't hated, you were ignored yeah. with, with contempt. And all of our, and all of our yeah. foreign policy capital had been blown on blown. stupid Absolutely. shit yep. by a stupid, avaricious, evil administration. Mm-hmm. And she wor- has been working really hard to get that back by – Listening to people, average poor people on the ground where they live, listening to their problems, doing the Clinton thing, you know, hugging them and telling yeah. and, and listening to them and sympathizing with them and talking to them, not about what American military power could do for you. No, but, but about li- their stuff. Yeah. Because it turns out around the world all politics is local. Yes. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew? Huh? So And putting a face, putting a real face on American yeah. foreign policy that is friendly and smart and well traveled. And, and a senior, and, and, and a senior, senior position. Powerful, yes. Yeah. This yes. is not. Everyone is not, knows who she is and whose ear she has. Yes, this is not a third assistant diplomatic no, attaché. This is the Secretary not. of State. And and it was very wise of Obama on so many levels to make her that worldwide ambassador for America because of yeah. her uh, reputation as having the ear of power. Yeah, and stature and, and stature. longevity of public yeah. service. Yeah. So it, has she gotten less? Or more or different, I have no idea. I, I I think this has been a good role for her. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If this is the last public service position she holds, that's fine. If that's she, not what I hear. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, if, if it turns out that, that the last thing on her public resume is Secretary of State. Oh, she's done a wonderful she's job. She's done a wonderful job. Yep. She, she can yep. absolutely sail into history with uh, a, a wonderful reputation. 
Now, I want to say that I am, as you know, Drift Glass, a liberal. Yes. And Barack Obama was my fifth choice. Yes. For president in 2008. And Hillary Clinton was my sixth yep. choice if it didn't work out that way. And I would have supported Hillary Clinton and uh, probably held one nostril as I voted for her. But yellow dog. That's because of the war thing. But yeah, there was no way I was going to vote for anyone but a Democrat. Yeah, John McCain. For president, period. Happen. Yeah, just not going to happen. And I, I will say that I, I was not, those two were not that far down on my list, but they were not my first choices. Mm -hmm. And um, my first choices might have gotten in trouble with, you know, the babysitter <laughs> or something like that, yeah. perhaps. Um, he was the only candidate talking about poverty at that yeah, time. So, absolutely. yeah. But the, 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 I was... I was real uh, for all of the policy considerations, and there were many for all of the policy differences, and there were many. The two things that really, in retrospect, and mind you, you, we all control, we all have our own memories, and they all have different shapes and sizes. So it looms larger now than it might have at the time. But what I remember thinking was, I really don't want to relitigate the '60s again. Yeah, yeah. I really am sick and fucking tired of boomer bullshit from 40 years ago controlling my public conversation i'm yep. tired of it i want to get over it i want it done secondly the idea that we should just swap the presidency between two families over yeah. and over again yeah. is uh, appalling to me yep and i don't want to do that and frankly it was the third thing was my mistake uh i think i think it's strategically i was correct but i i uh I underestimated how crazy they were mm -hmm. that the GOP like preparing for D-Day. They had mapped every hedgerow. They had mapped every road, every intersection. They had artillery trained on Hillary Clinton were waiting for her to run. Yep. They had an entire campaign built around bringing Bill Clinton back from the dead mm -hmm. and relitigating the Clinton years and slamming her from day one. And I mm -hmm. simply I was not willing to go through that for what I felt was one family's personal ambition and that might mark me as a bad person and if so i'll just go to hell and explain there what my thinking was but if she runs again then and she wins the primaries she gets through the primaries uh and I runs a better campaign than she did yeah, last time yeah you yeah know, no no celine dion this time huh just no celine dion no no song contests no no no, no french fries for you bill oh. no 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 no, just, no up with people, Hillary for you and me songs. No. She's got to get out of her generational bubble. Yeah. And she has she to really does. This, and she yeah. has to shake herself loose of advisors who say it's our turn. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. as however much that might be true, it sounds really bad. Um, it sounds uh, it sounds entitled. And, yep. you, and you don't. And it was Ann yeah. Romney's mistake. And it's yeah. it's it's a it's a mistake. Also, you know, I. I don't think on policy that she's liberal enough. No. I will say that. No. That said, if she is the nominee this time, my enthusiasm for her has gone up because of the Obama presidency uh -huh. in that I want to smack down forever the idea that a white man owns the presidency. Yes. Yeah. And – so there was one writer I can't remember was I saw it on Tumblr saying you know white men need need to take a ten thousand year <laughs> timeout <laughs> from running the uh -huh. country. Uh huh. Certainly a three hundred year timeout from yeah. running the country would be fair. Yeah. <laughs> so from that perspective, my enthusiasm for her as a nominee, if she becomes the nominee, uh -huh. will be higher than it was last time. And that being said, I I. I, I mute the television when people or mute the radio when people start talking about 2016. Oh, yeah. No, we've got to get to 2014. And that I want to talk to you about that. Let's sum up with that. OK. The 2014 and the agenda that Obama has laid out in the State of the Union. Yeah. He gave he gave Democratic candidates so much uh, armor. Yeah. To take into battle for 2014. I am so proud of him. Yeah. Uh, well, he gave he yeah. gave them he gave them what Gingrich gave his. Yeah, exactly. He, he gave did. them a list. He gave he them did. this ten he point. You know, his yep. this is the stealth contract with America yeah, for Democrats. It is. it is. And they all you have to do, guys. Mm -hmm. All the shit's poll tested. It's all very popular, mm -hmm. and you can start saying center left, center left, center left, because all of these are lefty ideas, or at least yeah. most of them are. 
Well, at least they, they, they didn't used to be, but you know how things have changed over the last mm-hmm. four years. <laughs> and just and my opponent is against my this. opponent is against raising That's minimum wage yeah. for working mothers. My opponent's against the Violence Against Women Act for reasons I don't understand. And if you simply apply the appropriate English language rule, that means my my opponent is for violence against women, which is weird to me why he would want to do that. I assume it's a guy, although, you know, Republican women have their own set of particular problems. Yep. Um, Yeah. You have been handed a very, uh, very thoroughly researched, very well-crafted set of policies you can run on and campaign on for the next two years. If you don't, it's your own damn fault. Yep. Yep. And, and let's take back the house and, and he's talking about that. And I hope that, and having left the house of representatives behind in this speech and said, if you, you know, we're entitled to a vote, you can vote no, if you want on gun violence, Right. (laughs) you can vote for gun violence if you want. Yeah. Having said that and having sort of left behind the House Republicans in this and and the Tea Party and just said, look, all right, if you're not with us, hey, we're going to move on anyway. Uh-huh. I think he is pushing them towards irrelevancy to the point where we can really take back the House. And I hope he gets on the campaign trail. If he, know, if he knows none of this agenda is going to pass anyway, yeah. he might as well be on the campaign trail getting the House back. And I hope and 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 the 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 thing that has changed, substantively changed. Mm-hmm. Perhaps nothing in the soul of the White House has changed. Maybe intellectually, nothing has changed. But somewhere, somebody has finally slipped a Digby or Driftglass blog post under the door of the president, mm-hmm. explaining to him they hate you and they're always yeah. going to hate you. And John you Stewart's ju- little poem. About and you could just yeah. stop pretending that anything you do, no matter what, I know how seductive it is. I know how seductive those blog comments posts are. I'm sure you're up till two in the morning reading them, Mr. President. But you need to stop <laughs> because no matter what you say or do, you know, if your name is on it, if you're anywhere near it, they'll hate it, even if it's their own children. Because yep. their children is their children would then be dating a black man. They can't have that. <laughs> so they, no matter what you do, they're going to hate you. So just do what you want to do anyway. Yeah, yeah. And quit listening to people who say, if only you were a better leader, they yeah. would follow. If only you applied your magic leadership Kenyan <sighs> African skills to them and hoodoo them in the just the right way, kill with just the right words, they would stop being crazy. That's never going to happen. Accept it. Deal with it. And it sounds like they're doing that now, which is a very fine thing. After we take back the House, Blue Guy, you know what I want to take back next? The Supreme Court? The Senate. (laughs) Well, I was thinking about that, too. You know, we are entering a period, and it's probably going to be, unfortunately, a 20 or 25 year period Uh where there's just they're going to die off. The senators are going to die off. Yes. They're old. And that's one of the reasons the filibuster is still such a problem is. You know, John McCain doesn't want to stand up for 12 hours and talk. He just wants to raise his finger. And as long as he can write the rules, yeah, that's what he'll be able to do. But you're not going to elect any new senators under the age of 60 that aren't for filibuster reform because they're not going to huh. win a Democratic primary. Right. And that's where our Democratic primary base gets its energy. Yeah. So that so things will change. It may take us the rest of our adult lives yes. to get there. Yes. I hope we're still podcasting then. Uh, again, we'll, we'll be doing it on an old Philco. We'll have to go out and get <laughs> vacuum tubes. And we love you guys for listening to us on your vacuum tubes. Yeah, we do. We thank do. you for and thank you again for writing us about the whole drone thing. The the emails that we got are just marvelous, and yeah. we're, we're so grateful to you guys. Even even the yes but emails. I mean that oh, they're so thoughtful. The, yeah, the, the ones the ones the comments that I read that are just. That are that are framed in such a way that, uh, well, I guess you're in favor of of deliberately targeting women and children and killing them for no reason other than they're brown. I, I can't. No, I'm sorry. That's that's just not what's happening. And I'm not going to respond to anything that's framed that way because uh, that's what I spent high school debate doing. <laughs> and it's you know, let me construct the most offensive bear trap possible and see if you're dumb enough to stick your dick in it. No, <laughs> no, not going to do that because I reject the premise of your argument. So, but if you'd like to, to, to comment, write whatever on, this is not serving our, our national interest. This is bad for the following 10 reasons. 
I'm probably going to agree with all of them. Yeah. Yeah. So. And and you guys have taught us yeah. things that we'll bring up in future podcasts. I'm sure we just yeah. I'm still digesting some of these very long emails and they're they're just really good. So thank you. Every week we post to our website and Facebook page an Internet Kitty sent in by you, the listeners. This week's Internet Kitty is Ivan. And this picture of Ivan, it looks like he's saying something rather firmly. So go and take a look at our website and Facebook page and take a look at Ivan. He's He's got something to say. He's saying, give them a vote. <laughs> they deserve a vote. I think that is uh, what he's saying. Uh-huh. You can send your internet kitty to us at our email address, proleftpodcast at gmail.com, where you can also write to both of us. We love hearing from you. Feel free to write us. Be aware that if you write us at that address, we reserve the right to read your email or U.S. Postal Service Go Postal Union letter on the air unless you say otherwise. And um, Driftglass, there is a wonderful article in the January issue of Esquire uh-huh. called Do We Really Want to Live Without the Post Office? No, we don't. And it's it. I wanted to recommend it to everybody. It's it's uh, a wonderful profile of what the post office does for us. Ooh, ooh. And I will I will link it at our Facebook page. It's, I, it's really good. I have a favor to ask of our listeners. Yeah. And it's not fundraising. Ha, ha, ha. Um, my pal Harlan Ellison once told me when we were chatting on the phone, see, and we were, I'm not lying to you. Um, <laughs> yes, you were. He couldn't quite put his finger on the name of the guy, but he remembered, and he has an astonishing memory. Um, the philosopher or, or fiction writer, I think it was probably a, a philosopher from the 70s, for the, from the 40s, 50s, or 60s, or 70s, quite a while ago who was writing about the end of U.S. civilization. And and he said in there, the, the man wrote, and he couldn't remember the guy's name. He said, I have a, I have a portrait of him upstairs somewhere. So, you know, his visual memory and mine are, are rather closely related in that regard. <laughs> but he, he wrote about how the, how America will be destroyed by first destroying the postal service, because that will sever the, essentially the, the nerves that bind the country together. So in the long, slow process of wrecking America, of bulldozing it and turning it into a corporate fascist state, the first thing they'll go after is the post office. And if any of the readers out there can identify the writer or the book or the picture or a name, something to go on, I haven't been able to find it for some reason I don't even begin to understand. Google has not yet digitized that. So no matter what search string I sling out there, I can't quite pull it up from memory. And I'm hesitant to call uh, – Mr. Ellison up and say, uh, dude, uh, I'm looking for a book reference because that's not what you call the man on the magic mountain up and ask him about. So if our readers could possibly ransack their memory and come up with that information, I would personally appreciate it greatly and let us know. End of personal prerogative. I'll bet, I'll bet we'll get a lot of emails. I bet we will. No, because our listeners are awesome. And if you want to send money, that's great too. Thank you for supporting us. We really appreciate your support. We do. So, Feel free to write us. We'd love to hear from you again. ProLeftPodcast at gmail.com. Hey, Driftglass. Yeah. How are the Internet Kitties doing this week? Well, Blue Galley, Internet Kitties want Poland Spring in their water bowl from now on. Let's think about living. Let's think about loving. Let's think about the hooping and the hopping and the bopping and the loving, loving, loving. Let's forget about the whining and the crying, the shooting and the dying and the fellow with a switchblade knife. Let's think about living. Let's think about life. The Professional Left Podcast is recorded under a Creative Commons license. Copyright 2013, Driftglass Blue Gal Podcast.